Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And hello all. Yeah, I was going to ask Albert to tweet... But we don't have Albert today. <laughs> it's a Tony day. I love Tony. Tony is um, not a tweeter, though. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, he's um, he does a lot of the videos that you'll see when he yeah, the '60s that you'll see. He's really good. He's like that. He's the ninja and all the stuff like that. When it comes to tweeting, though, I gotta leave it to Kim. So, um, Kim, how are you? Maybe Kim, but Kim's not much of a tweeter either. Uh. I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to get to it myself at some point. Maybe somebody. Here's the thing. One of you listening, watching, could tweet. And if you tag me in the tweet, at Mark T. Live, I'll retweet it just to tell people we're on the air. Speaking of Twitter, there is a formal competitor that has entered the ring. And it ain't just a nobody. The Zuck has started his own version of Twitter, right, Kim? Yeah, it's called Thread. What's that, Kim? It's called Thread. Called Thread? That's right. Yeah. I'm on it, so it's going to be hot. That's right. How'd you get on I, so uh, fast? It's, um, it's from Instagram, and if you are on Instagram already, when I say it's from Instagram, what they've done is they've done something very clever, at least in terms of launching them with some decent numbers. There you see 10 million sign up for Meta's Twitter rival, Threads. What they've done is they've made it seamless. I talked to you a a bunch about frictionless aspects of technology and society. If something is easy if there are not multiple clicks involved, then that's frictionless, right? The more clicks there are, the more friction there is. If I tell you, you have to fill out this paperwork and then you submit it, but it has to be notarized, that's all friction, right? If I say, yeah, just call this number, give them this code, that's less friction. So we all understand that. What Threads has done is they've made their entrance into this Twitter competition frictionless. If you are on Instagram, you simply click and boom, you're on threads. And then something else they do, I'm mentioning this in the context of Kim saying, well, how did you get on so uh, quickly? If you 
click another button, you know, they give you the option there as you're entering it, they send out a blast to all of the people that you're on Instagram following and who follow you, and it tells them, hey, do you want to uh, join me on threads? Just click here, and you can follow me on threads. So you can yeah. see how it's frictionless. Now, here's the problem. A lot of us don't view Instagram as a political forum or a news events and comment forum. It's not a place where you stick, like, let's say, articles to click through that you want to see. If John Rothman, who's going to be on our show today, has a, a piece in you know that he's written up, I can, or David K. Johnston or one of these, I can, I can actually uh, post that, obviously, on Twitter. You cannot do that uh, on Instagram and... You will be able to do it on threads, obviously. But the point I'm trying to make is that I keep the two kingdoms separate. Twitter is politics and some funny stuff or whatever. Instagram is more, here's what I'm doing personally, or here's, you know what I'm saying? It's a, or here's a funky video. So I think the commingling of the Instagram followers, <clears throat> excuse me, and the political stuff, I don't know how that's going to go down. So we'll see. That's my take. On threads, it looks workable. Uh, yeah, there I am on threads. I haven't really posted much. Like I should post that we're on the air right now. But um, saying that this is why it's going to be successful is this whole we already have all these users. All we have to do is get them to click, and so that's yeah. why it's an instant competitor to Twitter. Mm, that's interesting. That's so. It's a uh, thank you, Sio. Just tweeted, apparently. Thank you. So I will, um, I'll retweet. Um, yeah, so it, essentially it makes that point. And, and I guess they really are off to the races, right, Kim? I mean, it, it does appear yeah. as though, yeah, they're... Um, and on the heels of Twitter with its whole, we're going to limit how many tweets you can see, but we're not going to tell you that we're going to do that to you first. I think people, you know, that's going to anger a lot of users and they're going to immediately go, threads, huh? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Elon Musk has to get some money out of Twitter, to be honest. You got to do something. You overpaid for it. Mm-hmm. And so... And gutted it, really. Yeah, well, shedded a lot of staff. And you could say, you know, well, that's what he, you know, Elon's a genius. He showed you how you can run a company like Twitter with 25% of the workforce. Okay, but... Uh, now there's porn all over Twitter, and there's a lot of the 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 gatekeepers are gone. Now Elon Musk has to make money off. That's why he's saying limiting the number of uh, of tweets that you can see, but you can pay for an upgraded service. That really is the only way to get money out of Twitter uh, to to somehow make it more of a money maker. It's troubled from a sponsorship standpoint as well, largely because the platform has become more infested with stuff that is not advertiser friendly. So Musk has got some problems there. Every time I mention Musk in the comments, I see that, you know, oh, here's Mark hating on Elon Musk. Uh, I think Musk is a problematic figure. And I do believe there's no question he manipulated the market. He absolutely manipulated the market. And the SEC let him skate. It is outrageous. It's a, but I also understand that he popularized the electric car. He uh, made Tesla a really viable and important part of this new evolution to uh, 
away from uh, fossil fuels, even as there may be some problems with, uh, well, with electric vehicles as well. But anyway, so that's the latest on uh, Meta's entrance into the Twitter space. It's called Threads. And we were, we were wow. talking last night. I was saying, what are you going to say? Because, you know, now it's always like, you know, he tweeted the, you know, the politician tweeted this. Uh, what are we going to say? He threaded this. And you you said, I don't like that they, you're all, you say he tweeted something anyway. Yeah, I never liked tweeted. I thought it was just a weird thing. Why do we say it? Why oh, I couldn't understand why the mainstream media, mainstream media, media generally, mm-hmm. everybody said, uh, they just right on board with, well, he tweeted earlier to tweeted. Why not just say he he posted earlier today in a statement, he said, blah, 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 blah. Right. Or she said, she said in a statement on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. I just, I get it. It's fewer words maybe, but tweeted? No. So I'm happy to see tweeted go away, you know. And in a tweet, he said, why not just said, he said on Twitter, boom. And there it is. So I never was good. Look, I'm older, so maybe I just, it doesn't go down so easily with me. But point is that I like, I'd love to see Twitter go, uh, I, I don't want to see it go away. I'd like to see it behave more and I'd like to see it because I do feel it an important part of posting information about fires, about uh, a lot of things related to public safety. Uh, so I see the value in Twitter and I do get a lot of information from Twitter. I get a lot of great articles, a lot of, uh, and even alternative articles. And I don't mind reading alternative stuff. I, I don't, I don't need to always see the New York times, the Chronicle, the Mercury. I don't, I don't, you know, I think it's good for us to sort of dip into some of these. Alt- and there's great alt journalism going on out there. Really great. So, um, I see Twitter's value. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the competition affects the product, right? I mean, it's usually it raises the game, but we'll see. Uh, let me put my credibility glasses on here for a moment, <clears throat> excuse me, and tell you that I have John Rothman coming up. He's uh, in the green room now. Yeah, at the end of the, uh, right, well, at the end of this half hour, beginning of the next half hour, we'll kick it out strong with John Rothman. Uh, then in the 11 o'clock hour, I um, have the magnificent David Katz, everybody. Yeah, David Katz is the former federal prosecutor who will weigh in on the latest revelations in the Trump documents trial. And the latest, latest is that his body man, you know, Trump's dude, Mm, uh, has... The box mover and the Trump mover too. You know, he like he goes with the the prez wherever he goes. Um, he has pled not guilty in uh, in a Florida court um, to the various charges associated with the uh, Justice Department's case around the moving of these uh, documents and of both hiding. Uh, classified information either at the behest of Donald Trump or, you know, understanding on his own uh, and charges around that. I should also mention, though, and I think this is the big news you saw it in our, our, you know, kind of our headline that the the Justice Department apparently has video of boxes being moved at Mar-a-Lago before the FBI search. This has now come to light in unredacted uh, 
documents that indicate, I mean, this is going to be a very hard case, I would think, to skate away from. I mean, there's video. There's video of them moving boxes at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. One could only assume in an effort to conceal it, right? Hey, you got to move boxes. I didn't know it was in them, and we had to clear some space for my golf shoes. Um, Donald Trump, the mobster president. Unreal. I wonder if, because the box man is pleading not guilty, we can assume he's not flipping. He, I think, is unflippable because he's one of these guys who is... Um, I think loyalty is a big thing to him. And, you know, I think he's going to go down with the ship. That's my sense of it. I can't believe there's video and it's only now being disclosed. You would think that we would have known about the videotape before we would have heard the audio tape. But. Well, there are a few things that are coming out in drips and drabs. And yeah. you'll recall yesterday I shared with you the fact that Donald Trump's press secretary stated that he showed classified documents to a group of people at Mar-a-Lago in the dining room there on the patio at, you said on the patio yeah. they were at they were at dinner I guess um, yeah. but yeah it was on the patio so uh, we learned of that um, we we learn of the, so we learned of the audio you know that audio it seemed damning where he you know he says look look right here you can see you know um then we learn of this other thing, as I say, from yesterday of the showing of the documents on the patio. I think these things are coming out in drips and drabs, not completely uh, unusual. What I would ask David Katz is if this changes, and I, you know, those of you who would like to see Donald Trump held responsible for what you know is this lawlessness, I don't think you're going to be happy about this, but I think it's a fact that Donald Trump may not face trial before the election. That's David Katz's view, that yeah. this trial, not talking about the Georgia case, not talking about the J6 case, this trial where you would seem to have Donald Trump dead to rights on this document case, it likely won't reach trial before. It seems extraordinary, but that's the nature of this game, according to David Katz. So we'll talk to, uh, is it Katz Adamus? Is that what, when he makes a prediction, we call him Katsadamas? Yeah. So we'll talk to him about that. San Francisco's doom loop fears are premature, according to a city economist. San Francisco's economic recovery from the pandemic has stagnated for months in key areas. But the city's chief economist says the city is showing strength. If you look at metrics like job growth, This doom loop, a vicious cycle of residents fleeing, forcing city service cuts and plunging tax revenue, it's not borne out by the data, says Ted Egan. He's the chief economist in the city. It is, quote, premature to say the city is heading for a doom loop. Hmm. The city undoubtedly. 30% (laughs) of office space is vacant? Uh, San Francisco's return to office rate was around 45% of pre-pandemic levels in June. Uh, The downtown area has lost 147,303 workers. That's a 60% drop from March of 2020. 
But as Kim says, office vacancy hit a record high of 31.8%. The big tech companies, of course, have just dumped those buildings. It's weird. I was just there, um, what, a few days ago. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so odd. It's kind I'm of like a ghost town. City in a, a driverless taxi. Yes. My yeah. driverless taxi took me by the uh, um, employee-less buildings. <laughs> uh it's a painful adjustment, he says, but there needs to be a change in the mindset. He thinks that office rents will continue to drop, eventually enticing companies to sign leases again. So I will tell you that I had a conversation with um, someone, actually uh, a dentist, who's downtown uh, in the Embarcadero. And that's in the downtown, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, San Francisco, it's sort of a financial district adjacent so it's uh, the heart of the city, the downtown city. And I'm having this conversation. And I'm in his office, and he's, uh, I said, gee, it's weird. There are a lot of vacancies. He says, yeah, the, they're not lowering the rent. They are not cutting anybody any slack. You have landlords of these buildings, and they are simply letting those vacancies go. And he said, it's just, it's sad, you know, to, to walk into the Embarcadero, and there are all of these empty spaces and then you you know then they're pockets of activity same thing is happening in north beach although i'm hearing north beach is starting to come back now again north beach has had that same issue with uh, we were we reported on this for and again north beach is this marvelous um for those who don't know san francisco it's a rich area of ethnicity a lot of italian restaurants um Old school San Francisco, right? It's where the strip clubs were, and all the you know. There's kind of this edgy. There used to be. Now it's of course all, and they still have them there. I guess a few of them, but it still feels a little more. Uh, what would you say? It's more Disneyland now than it is. I think, uh, yeah. right? Edgy. Yeah. Uh, but it, it. I've heard that it's coming back. Still, I, I think they're they're empty storefronts. We were working. We were reporting on this for for years now. The fact since COVID. The fact that the, the between city regulations, I guess, and landlords not cutting tenants much slack, there are vacancies. But apparently, North Beach is. Somebody mentioned to me that they felt North Beach is coming back. Um, customer spending is up in the city. City collecting thirty three million in the first quarter of twenty twenty two. That's up thirty point six million from the uh, first quarter of. Well, that must be the first quarter of 2022. Wait a minute. Uh, tax trends. City collecting $33 million first quarter, up $30.6 million from the first quarter of the preceding year. It must be. That must be a misprint. Hmm. Uh, anyway. But, you know, you can tell me that things are great and the doom loop is, you know, we're jumping to conclusions. But, you know, Nordstrom closes and... Um, uh, there just appears to be real problems in, you know, retail spaces and shopping areas of San Francisco. Wouldn't you concede that, Kim? Oh, yeah. The Gap, uh, the flagship store, Old Navy's flagship store, all the phone companies, T-Mobile and Union Square, uh, the uh, Verizon store, uh, the movie theater in the in the mall along Mm. with other uh, anchor tenants in the mall and the the mall's management just saying, walking away, giving it back to the loan company, saying, we can't even, we're done. So, yeah, Yeah. we're in trouble. No, I mean, uh, thank you, because it just strikes me that uh, 
No. He says we need to keep our eyes on the policy choices that could exacerbate the problem of downtown. Uh, yeah, exacerbates a ding word. So, well done. Anyway, that's uh, what's happening in the city, and uh, there's an alternative view of things, uh, for sure. The Mark Thompson Show. There is, uh, as you're aware, uh, major climate news. We broke heat records. We broke huge heat records this week. The hottest the planet has been in recorded history. Um, How hot was new, it? Uh, well, it depends where you were on the, depends where you were on the planet, uh, Kim. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kim, how are you? Um, yep, Kim. Uh, the okay, I think we got the point. Um, anyway, um, we've never seen anything like this before, says Carlo Bontempo. There's never been anything like this. That's right. There's never been anything like it. Nobody, Nobody has, has ever, ever seen, seen, no. never seen anything like, like it before. before. I have never heard of something like that. Not, there is nothing in, in our, our history, history that quite compares, compares to, this. to this. Carlo Bontempo, director of Europe's Copernicus Climate Change Service, he says the charts and graphs on Earth's climate are showing quite literally that we are in uncharted territory. It is no shock that global warming is accelerating. Scientists were anticipating that would come with the onset of El Nino. But the hot conditions are developing too quickly and across more of the planet to be explained solely by El Nino. Records are falling around the globe many months ahead of El Nino's peak impact. We've been seeing unprecedented extremes in the recent past, even without being in this phase of warming. In recent weeks, weather extremes have included record-breaking heat waves in China. Beijing surpassed 40 degrees Celsius. That's 104 degrees Fahrenheit for the first time. And in Mexico and Texas, where officials were once again struggling to keep the electricity grid up and running, record heat, wildfire smoke that's repeatedly choked parts of the United States is a visible reminder of abnormal spring heat and unusually dry weather that have fueled an unprecedented wildfire season in Canada. Canada saw its hottest May and June. Ocean heat is expected during El Nino. It's marked by unusually warm sea surface temperatures along the equatorial Pacific. We've talked about that at length here. That graph you're seeing is the surface air temperature at an all-time high. So records are broken by wide margins. Antarctic sea ice reaching its lowest extent. And the planet is increasingly looking at a global warming benchmark that policymakers have sought to avoid. That's a 1.5 degree Celsius increase, 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit above pre-industrial levels. So uh, I don't know what can be done as a society. Um, There is, uh, I think, an increase in awareness of this being an issue. But to the extent that something can be done globally, 
we've put everybody together, right? The Paris Climate Accords. There's also uh, an understanding of this. There's climate talk. Um, the G7, every time you, you'll get some major meeting of leaders, uh, this is supposedly touched upon. But no developed country is really taking aggressive action. And, of course, the emerging economies, or what used to be called underdeveloped countries, they're not in a position to really do much. They're also not mega polluters. Uh, you, I, I don't know. I, I find this important. I think it's also important in California from the standpoint of wildfire and heat, and obviously in terms of our ability to keep ourselves cool. In other words, the electric grid, the power, the energy grid, it's all affected by this. So as summer wears on, we're expecting to see more of this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's going to yeah. be a... Uh... <laughs> the Mark Thompson Show. It was great. I loved it. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. Morning. You cannot say you love your country. Where are my weed smokers at? Stay at home and get baked. We could try ignoring it, sir, is uh, sort of the, the uh, that's the credo of the planet, I feel, at this point, you know. Let's just keep doing what we're doing, you know. Uh, Kim, please. Well, it takes everybody working together. And if you have people that don't even believe in climate change, that's not everybody working together. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there is these talking points that people have adopted, you know, and they say, don't believe in climate change. I don't know how it seems so indisputable, but all right. Uh, I have a That's Rich segment coming up. It involves Angela Lansbury. Remember her? Oh, yeah. Murder, she wrote. Yeah, yeah. she's in That's Rich. Jeff Bezos on vacation, everybody. And you should get a chance to vacation when you're Jeff Bezos, you know. Um, He's been vacationing a lot. He's in, is he in Greece? and Yeah. Flitting He's around on yachts and mega lot. He's got the mega yacht. Yeah, the mega yacht is a lot of yacht. And uh he's got Lauren Sanchez. That's a lot of woman. So you got a vacation and uh, you know, take Lauren around to birth. They are are they married now or just engaged to be married? I think they're I just think. engaged. Oh, okay. Um when we come back, I want to talk to John Rothman. I'd like to talk to him about, of course, the Trump case. I'm also curious about how he felt about this affirmative action decision from the Supreme Court. He probably touched uh, on it in the podcast that he does daily, and I do listen, but I don't listen every day. I just uh, haven't had time to listen every day. So maybe uh, he'll, for those who are Rothmanites, you'll get a chance to have him review some of that. But um I want to get to, you know, politics and also SCOTUS. And I also have some thoughts about SCOTUS generally. So uh, there's a lot to do. David Katz, as I mentioned in the next hour, smash the like button for Kim McAllister. Smash it with your iron rod. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. Ch-ch-ch-ch. Yeah, do it for ch 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 Smash it with your iron rod. ch All right. Uh, oh, Lord. Yeah. You know it, baby. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-
on the Mark Thompson Show. I'm Kim McAllister, and President Joe Biden is on the move. Maybe not in this car today, but he he is on the move. He's set to visit a manufacturing plant in South Carolina later today. The White House announcing that President Biden will be in West Columbia. He'll make a stop at Flex Limited. It's an international design, engineering, and manufacturing company. The president is expected to talk about his recently announced Bidenomics program, as well as manufacturing investments there. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is in Beijing today. Yeah, she's on a mission to find common ground for the United States and China. Meanwhile, the special counsel investigating former President Trump and his efforts to overturn the 2020 election has subpoenaed the Arizona Secretary of State's office. Reports say special counsel Jack Smith is looking for information related to two lawsuits, one's from Trump's campaign, another from former Arizona Republican Party chairwoman Kelly Ward, which alleged there were errors and fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Trump's campaign lawsuit was dismissed. The Arizona Supreme Court ruled against Ward's case. Don't talk to me that way. What? Doesn't look you, happy. No, no, he doesn't. He's, I don't think he's mm. very happy these days. They're taking, it's it. taking them a while just to, on that point, Kim, to follow up on all of the election, state by state, Georgia, mm-hmm. Arizona, all the states in which there was an attempt to overturn. Uh, it's taken them a while. I mean, it, it, it's odd how the gears of justice grind slowly. It is. And recently we heard there there was another state where there was pressure uh, put on the governor to try to, quote, find votes. And that's one we hadn't heard about. So it seems like, you know, they got to call state by state and really dig because there might be more here than, you know, what we even know about. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were talking about the environment. Well, there's this horrifying new study that it's new federal data showing nearly half of the nation's tap water. Let me say that again. Half of the nation's tap water contains so-called forever chemicals. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A national study released Tuesday by the U.S. Geological Survey shows that a group of chemicals known as PFAS, PFAS, were commonly found in private wells. The chemicals are commonly used in the consumer products. They've been linked to cancer, thyroid disease, and other illnesses, and now a study shows they're in half of the nation's tap water. Yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, it's just that. They don't break down. So they get into the environment, they get into our bodies, and they continue to wreak havoc. It's a real serious issue. I don't know how you get around that. I wonder if John Rothman knows. He knows a lot of stuff. I but mean, uh, I, 
<clears throat> you have I, I cancer think... rates. People are like, why are why is everyone getting cancer? Why do you think? Yeah. Well, we we are we live in a toxic brew. You know how I feel about yeah. it. It's just crazy. But I um, uh, but this is uh, this is a real tough one because I I really don't know how you begin to diminish. And I haven't heard a good scientific argument as to how you diminish the amount of PFAS in the environment. I, I just don't um, I don't know the answer. So uh, well, it's really worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we get a new uh, program today, a new platform called Threads, Meta's competitor to Twitter. It's already garnered millions of users in the hours since it launched. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg says the new social media platform saw 10 million signups in its first seven hours. The text-based social networking app allows Instagram users to post short updates, links, pictures, and videos. So look at that. Already 10 million users, and Twitter's got a real competitor on its hands. I wanted my Twitter handle to be my Threads handle, but because my handle on Instagram is Mark Thompson TV, that's what it ends up being oh. on Threads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not what I wanted, but all right. They should have made that easier for people. Yeah. Airbnb bookings in San Francisco are plummeting. I wonder why. Some property owners report less than 25% occupancy. Prices are dropping 40%. The highly publicized rise of crime and homelessness in the city where the company is headquartered is considered the main reason. In other business news, OpenAI is putting together a team of experts to come up with ways to keep AI from getting out of control. The company behind ChatGPT has initially enlisted its chief scientist, Ilya Sutskiver on a co- and co-founder Jan Leakey, they say super intelligent AI could arrive within the decade, and there's no guarantee that it will be benevolent. Ooh, that's scary. Wow. So yeah, OpenAI is now putting a team of experts to come up with ways to keep AI from getting out of control. Thanks, OpenAI, <laughs> for all of it. Mahalo. It's going to take AI to defeat AI. <laughs> that's the movie. That- it really is the movie, right? Everything is going extremely well. Right. Mm-hmm. This is just the picture. Uh, you know, I needed a picture of a liar, so we got one here. Millennials are apparently the worst offenders when it comes to lying on social media and in the workplace. Sorry, yes, Albert. Sir, are a liar. Mm, right. A new survey from online casino Playstar, we don't know how accurate <laughs> the study is, found more than from one. From the in- scientists <laughs> that online casino Playstar. <laughs> call me a liar. How would you call me? They found more than one in 10 millennials said they lie at least once a day. On the other hand, only 2% of baby boomers admitted the same. Yeah, we're not liars. You are a cover-up artist, and you yeah, are a cover-up artist, but we're not liars. Huh. Yeah, you could you could do that, but you're you know you won't stoop so low. I guess mm. is the way. Um, and for this next story, I have some video that I hope you think is pretty cool. Oh, look, I'm frozen in time again. But That's all me, right. Oh, so we me, can't get the video. Oh, I you know I don't think maybe. Oh yeah, you can. Maybe you can. No. I don't think so. No. Uh, okay. okay, but uh, maybe Tony can throw. You can it up throw there. it in private chat, and, I'll, and I can get it if you want. To oh, drop it that's in a good chat. thing. Yeah, throw it in private uh, chat. Well, I might, we might not have time. I'll just go ahead and do the story. But I oh, I don't know. You. Ooh, it's a wild idea, but it just might work. <laughs> what is being called the world's largest video screen is lighting up Las Vegas. 
I mean, oh. it's huge and it's round. It's called the Sphere. It is a new entertainment arena under construction near the Las Vegas Strip. It's covered with 580,000 foot LED screens. On July 4th, this giant dome-shaped building lit up, and it showed a welcome message that read, Hello, world, followed by (laughs) (laughs) animations of fireworks and stars and stripes. For a minute, it looked like the moon. I mean, this thing is crazy. It was great. I loved it. I just can't wait to see it. Tony is going to show it to us now. It's called the world's largest video screen. Here it is. Tony's got it. I knew he would use it. Wow, so this is that giant is nice, round video screen. Check it out. Hello, world. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it looks like Hello, the Epcot world. Center. Hello, world. Hello, world. Hello. That's unreal. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's huge. So yeah, the world's largest video screen. Again, with the five hundred eighty thousand square foot LED screen. I think it's cool when they make it look like the moon. They'll do that here in a minute. But what a thing to light up the yeah. See, look at it, the moon. It looks like the moon's just sitting on the ground. Oh my god, that's how the coolest cool is that? thing. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Wow. And I'm loving see, that. There's never been anything like this. Wow. All I... of these hotel rooms look out, you know, basically can see this giant thing sitting there. It's oh cool. my god. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really. I don't think I'd ever leave the hotel room. I just pull up a chair, sit in front of the sphere, and watch it go. I don't want to do anything else on the show right now except watch this. (laughs) I know it's pretty awesome. I I mean, Uh, I don't. They don't say how much it costs, but I think whatever it was, it was kind of worth it. Oh my God, that's terrific. Yeah, I love this thing. I mean, yeah, it, it goes on and on. Fireworks for the Fourth of July terrific yeah nice job cool. yeah so as wow. we watch the sphere do its thing mm-hmm. i'm kim McAllister, and this is the mark thompson show wow well done well done they had to close down an entire radio station to silence him and now he's here ladies and gentlemen mark thompson Mark Thompson Show. Joe Fish, Sal the Shoemaker, Joe Box, and Little Anthony. They're in the wonton killing. I don't know what a wonton killing is. I'm going to have to look that one up. And I wanted to apologize to the Asian community, the Asian American community. Yeah, what up, everybody? We are on and happy to have you with us. If you're new, we've come from... A station called KGO it was a big talk radio station in San Francisco, and, and they dead. changed the format there. They <laughs> went to this sports talk gambling format. So we took all of these, you know, it was the show, uh, my show and other shows were really pretty solid shows. We had a lot of, you know, big people through and as we do now. I'm talking about Pulitzer Prize winners and uh, journalists of all sorts. And, you know, we, we talked about the news of the San Francisco Bay Area, the news of the nation, news of the world. And so we were adrift and we took everybody here and it's worked out pretty well so far. We're completely dependent on crowdfunding. Otherwise, we go away. But with that crowdfunding, we continue. So all of you who are part of our community who do contribute, thank you, and uh, contributions along the way, uh, we appreciate very, very much. Uh, the lady Beatrice, San Francisco needs oh. one of those spheres. 
because that is badass. That's so <laughs> yeah, right. it's true. It is true. Slap is one true. of the spheres in Union Square. Let's go. Um, really, really true. Yeah. Uh, and then I have, uh, I'll acknowledge in the next hour, um, Maud made a substantial contribution to us oh. today. And uh, it's Thank pretty you, extraordinary. Maud. I want to give Maud her due. I just don't want to make Rothman wait any longer. So now, again, one of the guys who is a refugee from KGO, but ha- actually is such a distinguished uh, historian and uh, his perspective on so many things related to both the Bay Area and to politics is uh, without uh, comparison. He's just uh, top of the heap. We're happy to have him. John Rothman, everybody. Yeah. I love those modest introductions, Mark. Thank well, you. it's true, my friend. I've told you I've exploited you. This Now, I assume, I was saying before, and I'll get to Trump in a minute and all that stuff, but I assume on your podcast, which you do every day, you do an eight-minute kind of blast, uh, you've uh, covered the Supreme Court affirmative action decision or the decision that might affect affirmative action, if you will. I wonder if you could review maybe your thoughts on that for me and for the audience. The impact is profound. And it, I can talk about the legal aspects, but you have lawyers who can do that. I'm going to tell you the political aspect. And that is that what is happening is a mobilization, whether it is on the issue of choice, the issue of affirmative action, on a whole host of issues, the Supreme Court is making these rulings, which will mobilize people to go to the polls and vote in 2024. And I'm going to make a prediction, Mark. I'm going to stick my neck way out. But I believe the Democrats are going to sweep in 2024 because what has happened is the Republicans and the Supreme Court have given the Democrats the the issues which they will rely on to win. And so I think it's going to be a fascinating moment. My own view on affirmative action, all I can tell you is many of my friends today have jobs because of affirmative action. And you know who the big beneficiary was? The big beneficiary was not people of color. It was white women. So if you're a woman, you should know that in large measure, the accomplishments of women in recent years has come about because of affirmative action being applied to you. So I think there are going to be real ramifications. Uh, Let me go back to the political first, and then we'll double back if we have time. Uh, When you say a sweep, you predict a sweep. I wonder if you could speak to exactly what that would look like. I think that the Democrats will carry the White House. I think they will carry the House and the Senate. And I think that will be critical. Uh, And I I say that, please understand, the people of America don't necessarily vote for. They vote against. And the Republicans, in my judgment, are on the wrong side of history when it comes to affirmative action, when it comes to the question of women's right to choose, when it comes to, frankly, critical issues. And if Donald Trump is at the head of the ticket, it will have severe ramifications for Republicans down ticket. So my expectation, and of course, this is a a snapshot in time, which is all an analysis really can be. If the election were held today, I believe the Republicans would be in deep trouble. And may I suggest the barometer was the Wisconsin uh, election for a Supreme Court justice uh, where, and I was at a wedding this weekend with people from Wisconsin who said to me, John, it's unbelievable, the reaction of even conservative Republicans who say enough is enough. And may I quickly point out, you opened on the question of global warming. That is, in fact, what my podcast 
uh, was about today in part. I talked about the rising heat, not only temperature, but also guns, carrying heat, also talking about the scandal, so-called scandal in the White House over cocaine. I mean, I went through a whole series of things, but there is no doubt that the question of climate is going to have to be at the top of our agenda. This is no joke. We are seeing record temperatures, not just in individual places, but around the world. That will affect population, demographics. Uh, It will uh, affect coastal areas. It's going to affect food and water. It's going to affect us profoundly. And I think we are at the beginning of a true crisis. And that does not even take into account what's happening now in Europe. And I do want to underline and emphasize the fact that the nuclear power plant, the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, is now subject, we think, to potential Russian attack. That would set off a catastrophic moment in Europe. And believe me, these are issues which raise the temperature, if you will, as I said this morning, raise the heat on so many different levels. Uh, I just don't think climate is uh, honestly something that people vote on, John. I hate to say it. I I, I do. I'm a tree hugger. So that for me, I, that's issue one. And honestly, I've never met someone with a strong environmental agenda whose politics in every other way doesn't line up with mine. Okay. So I've never, I, I can't find, you know, a right wing environmentalist. Uh, but I don't see most people, uh, you say that this is the beginning of this kind of, it's, it, I would suggest it's not the beginning. I, I know what you're saying. It's, it's the beginning of a clarion call because of the records being set and because of the, you know, literally the planet on fire. But I'd suggest that, you know, we're a move along, get along kind of uh, culture. It's like, give me my ESPN and my HBO Max and, uh, you know, and, and I'm not going to vote. I think that's really the culture that we, we exist in. We're I hope all, you're wrong. Uh, I hope yeah. you're wrong because if it comes to food and water and people's survival, I think that will be the kicker. And may I tell you, the tragedy, Mark, is as political an issue as it should be. Uh, it really is an existential threat to civilization, and there is no solution. So when I say there'll be a penalty, the Republicans have denied the climate change for so long that when that really hits, it won't be that the Democrats can come up with a solution. It will be the question, why didn't the Republicans act when they had the ability to do so? Why was their rhetoric so antithetical to this? So I, yeah. I, I view this very practically. And I live in San Francisco, where I can tell you the fog rolls in. But if I lived in Southern California, uh, I would be scared out of my wits as the temperatures continue to rise. I had a friend who was in Disneyland last week who said, John, it was almost unbearable. Uh, Tom is saying, and certainly it's true, that I mean the, the heat is, uh, is really rough. Antithetical is a ding word. Tom is uh, in our chat is usually the guy who keeps track of the ding words. And he says clarion is a ding word. All right. Uh, we did mention yeah, and we posted. Well this morning. Uh, yes, and very impressive. Nobody accused us of being ding-dongs, that's for sure. Yeah, you are. All right, John, please. Uh, I uh, We did uh, point out his Around the Political World with John Rothman. You can find it uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, he does it regularly. Uh, there was a comment I wanted your reaction to in here, and let me see if I can locate it. Essentially, he was suggesting, I don't see how they can sweep the Democrats because of the number of open uh, Democratic seats, that there are going to be a bunch of seats open and the GOP is going to capture some of them. Could you speak to that? 
A sweep means control of the House and Senate and the White House. If, as I feel today, I can't tell you what I'll feel in a month or a year, but if what I feel today is true, the Republicans are going to take a shellacking. And that, to me, is critical. What is an overwhelming victory? It is having a majority in the House and the Senate and the White House. Uh, And that will affect the Supreme Court as well. As all of you know, the Supreme Court is determined by the nominee made by a president. And Donald Trump pledged that he would change the Supreme Court, and he did. But every president attempts to remake the court in their image. And I think that's going to be another critical factor in the election of 2000. Well, I want to talk about the Supreme Court in a second. Randy says, uh, the last seven days at Disneyland, the average temperature was 81. Maybe he meant Disney World, Randy, okay? Disney World was a lot hotter than that. How dare you take on John Rothman? No, Uh, no. no. May I say, there is a precision in what Randy just said, and that is, my wife was in Disney World last week. Disney World. described to me the situation that's different than disneyland yeah we we californians get confused because to us disney is you know orange county yeah but it's uh, disney world is what he was talking about randy thank you thank Uh, you for the correction yes uh, randy randy's always he's mr correction he's in the lifeguard chair all the time um so uh i want to talk about the supreme court because i feel uh and this is a kind of jetliner view of things and i feel that you and I can talk about this. We're a couple of big minds. You know what I'm saying, John? Uh, we're a couple of big-brained guys. Let me ask you about the reality. And here is the reality. We really can't get much of anything done in terms of really reforming America because of the political deadlock that is the result of dug-in parties and partisanship that is so intense that you really uh, – They'll vote you out of office, essentially, if you if you attempt anything uh, that is uh, at all bipartisan when it comes to um, landmark legislation to reform anything. And so the course of America is determined now by the courts, which is why the Supreme Court is so scary, because they are reshaping America, as you suggest, and they're going to be there for life, Right. Same is true as you look at those judicial appointments on down the way. I don't know what can be done. In a way, I find expanding the court, which I used to be an advocate for, is insufficient. I, uh, I, don't, I really think we have to open up the hood on this country. I don't think we will. But doesn't it trouble you that essentially we've surrendered the legislative aspects of American life to the court, which is conservative, overwhelmingly. Remember, that was the argument the conservative used against the liberals, that the court, the judges were legislating from the bench. Look, we went through this with Franklin Roosevelt in 1937, and there's a book everybody should read. It is by Catledge and Alsop, and it's called 168 Days. It is the story of the struggle uh, of Franklin Roosevelt's court packing. I am opposed to court packing, and I think Joe Biden, who, as you know, is a liberal, made clear this last week that he is opposed to court packing as well. What we have to do is to recognize what I have said for years on the radio and in all my commentaries, and that is who is president matters. And that means that when we 
elect a president, we're not just electing a president, we're electing a person who will nominate justices, not just for the Supreme Court, but for the appellate courts and for the district courts. And so this is a really a struggle that will be waged there. I do not believe there are the votes nor the will to pack the court. Oh, that's that's my point. That you're absolutely 100% right on that and and that is also my point. I don't think it's viable, but reforming any kind of court reformation in the same way that it's impossible to impeach the clearly compromised uh, members of the court. I, 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 there's just it's impossible. I mean, let me th- just point out there's only one justice of the United States Supreme Court who was impeached. His name was Samuel Chase. The year was 1805. Aaron Burr, as president of the Senate, presided at the impeachment trial, and that impeachment failed. Uh, The court can discipline itself. And I use the example of Abe Fortas, who was an associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. Lyndon Johnson wanted to promote him to the chief justiceship, but he was compromised. And what was the compromising aspect? He accepted a $20,000 gift from Lewis Wolfson. And as a result, he resigned from the court, not because of conservative pressure alone, but because Earl Warren went to him and said, enough is enough. The court has to discipline itself. Just as Congress makes its own rules, so the court makes its own rules. And the fact that the chief justice has declined to step in in this matter is to me appalling. If Earl Warren could do it, then Chief Justice Roberts should do it as well. Well, uh, I love that you mentioned the Fortis example, and I love that you mentioned the fact that the uh, the the SCOTUS machine should handle itself, but it doesn't happen. And uh, the Fortis story is almost quaint. I mean, these guys are so on the take. It Alito is sickening. and Thomas are a disgrace. And in a normal time, their kind of ethical in their ethical wrongness, what more can I say? Not a correct word, but the right feeling. I'll still ding it. Immediate, yeah. An immediate action uh, by the American people. Yeah, but again, uh, we are at a at a loss in terms of, I mean, honestly, John, they could be taking uh, bribes right out in front of the court, which is essentially what they are doing on these vacations and these lavish, week-long, uh, uh, bacchanal, feast that they have on the yachts of some billionaire i mean they're they're essentially doing and nothing can be done when you say we have to take action i don't know we gave you a democratic president they wouldn't even have a hearing on his supreme court appointment i mean it was uh, uh, i feel that's as though because, they're that's because of the republicans and it depends on who you have on the court uh if i were in charge i would want a former justice like Stephen Breyer, for whom I have tremendous respect and integrity. And I hope Stephen will do this if he's listening. And that is to write a proposal that will establish rules for the court. And I would use the Fortis case as an example. But you are absolutely correct, Mark, that this corruption is absolutely wrong and needs to be dealt with. By the way, the Congress cannot impose rules despite the fact that there are members of the Senate who want to set up an ethical rule for the court, they can't do that. Only the court can set up its own rules. And that means the Chief Justice Roberts must act. And I would employ these former justices who are, frankly, uh, very capable of defining things. What shocks me more than anything else is nobody talks history. 
Nobody knows the history of the Supreme Court. Nobody understands these ethical questions, and they need to be brought to the forefront. Uh, back on all is a ding word. Yes, I want to, before I let you go, John Rothman, ask you about this uh, Trump case. We are going to get the legal uh, story from uh, David Katz in a moment, but I just wanted to, you know, you, I suppose, would put this in the basket of things that you were talking about that would lead to a Democratic sweep, again, as you take this snapshot in time, but with the videos that are damning, actually showing the moving of documents uh, uh, subsequent to the uh, an announcement the FBI was going to be coming, uh, and the clear evidence that you know Trump showed these classified materials to those without any kind of uh, classified clearance there in Mar-a-Lago on the patio, I'm wondering if you can give me a thought as to how you feel Donald Trump's uh, political fortunes may be affected. Well, I believe Trump is a criminal, and I believe he needs to be held accountable. And the tragedy is that when Eric Trump, or I'm sorry, Donald Trump Jr., when Donald Trump Jr. stood on the ellipse on January 6th and said the Republican Party is, uh, is dead, this is now the party of Trump, the Republican Party must reclaim itself. And that is essential to the functioning of the two-party system in America. I believe that Donald Trump is going to be indicted for January 6th. I believe that Donald Trump is going to be indicted for what happened in Georgia. And I believe that the judgment of history must convict him. And let me, let me say it very clearly. Uh, when you and I were on KGO, I was known as someone who tried to be fair and objective when it came to Donald Trump. And I sometimes, when I agreed with him, I said so. There is no excuse, and the cult of Donald Trump must be awakened to the fact that this man is as corrupt as can be. And that, that's my, my view. I'm going to be interested. I'm going to try to listen to the interview with, uh, that you're going to do with David Katz. I hope he comes to the same conclusion. Will the Republican Party come to that conclusion? Will the leaders of the Republican Party, or what passes for a Republican Party, stand up and do what Barry Goldwater and Hugh Scott and John Rhodes did in August of 1974, when they went to the White House and said to Richard Nixon, enough is enough. Fortunately, Donald Trump's out of the White House, but he should not be the leader of the Republican Party, and it's time for the Republican Party to find new leadership and new directions. Even, Mark, if I disagree with the Republican Party on issues, that's legitimate. But Donald Trump is an illegitimate leader in every sense of the word. Well, uh, here, here, uh, it's... Uh... It seems indisputable. Sadly, I think that those days where, uh, you know, they have private conversations with Abe Fortas to get him to resign. They have private conversations with Nixon, to which you've just referred, that get him to resign. I think those days are over. Uh, I, I don't think any. You, yeah. Before yeah. We're, we're concluding, thank you for letting me come on today. I know I'll be back next Wednesday, but I want to thank you for adjusting your schedule to allow me to be here. And, of course, as your little note goes up, my podcast, Around the Political World with John Rothman, is up Monday through Friday. I don't take more than 10 minutes. I try to focus in on issues, and uh, I hope people enjoy it. Uh, I'm certainly enjoying it. it it's uh, my, my psychiatric session. It's where I can air my grievances. Of course, the longer session is when I appear on the Mark Thompson program. Thank you for bringing it back to me, John. You drifted. You started very strong when you were thanking me 
for moving our schedule, and then somehow you segued into plugging your podcast, and I became concerned, but then you brought it back around to me, and I loved it again. And I hope yes. people subscribe. Subscribe to the Mark Thompson uh, so Thank you very much, John. Right. Look, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we thank, say. You, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, John Rothman, everybody. We love him. We love our John Rothman. Right on, John. The Mark Thompson Show. So Rothman thinks that um, Donald Trump may be corrupt. What? I know. That was a he's he, no uncertain terms there. He stuck the landing on uh, on Donald Trump. Kind of went after him. Opened up a can of you're corrupt on Donald Trump. It was big. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nice job. Uh, I do have a fork in the road, Kim. Uh-oh. I have the distinguished former federal prosecutor David Katz on the line. Okay. And I also have you. The distinguished news person dedicated mm-hmm. to providing a breadth of news stories mm-hmm. to our audience on a regular basis. And I have you standing by. Mm. As a host, I have to make a very difficult decision. But these are the decisions that I must make. And I. Do you know who I am? Yes. It's kind of a big deal. I can make. The decision. And I'm going to. My decision is that Kim will do a jumbo newscast, bottom of the hour. And the distinguished former federal prosecutor, David Katz, now a defense attorney, will join us in a moment. First, I must ask everybody watching to smash the like button. Smash it with your iron rod. And next, David Katz. The Mark Thompson Show. Who's Mark Thompson? I stand corrected. I misspoke. My words upset so many people. My bad. I'm sorry. Y'all can all go to hell, and I'm going back to Texas. Joe Fish, Sal the Shoemaker, Joe Box, and Little Anthony. What he's got going here is a situation. There's a reason that this place is fun. 
Someone did this to spoil our Christmas. I have never heard of something like that. There is nothing in our history that quite compares to this. Nobody has ever put something like this together that I've ever seen. We've never seen anything like it before. I had a busy week. I think I'm the most honest human being, perhaps, that God ever created. God bless America. The end. Girl, you just woo. Do I hit it long? Is Trump strong? Huh? Who is having that conversation? How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. The science is ridiculous. It's fantastic. This is a word from the Lord, and he's not happy. Where are my weed smokers at? Isn't anybody been a weed? It was wrong, it was stupid, and I'm trying to be a better person. Seriously, what the f***? Yeah, seriously, come on now. Uh, great to have you all with us. This is hour two, and I do want to recognize without any further delay the most generous donation of the day from Maud Day, everybody. Maud, I don't know what to wow. say. A big shout out, first of big all. Big shout out. And I would also say thank you so much. Thank you so much. A hundred dollars. Wow. Really nice, Maud. Thank you. Maud, you are awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so, so much, Maud. One hundred dollars. And, uh, I'm going to give you a thank you, thank you, thank, thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I uh, really, uh, and another thank, thank you, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. I uh, really can't tell you enough. I try not to, lately, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, really visited too often, but we're completely crowdfunded. So something like this really makes a difference. And uh, the only reason we're here is because of people like Maud and those of you who contribute at, at much lower levels as well. And all of those who are Patreon and PayPal members, you're all posted at the end of the show on the screen. We want to recognize you every day. So, Maud, thank you again. Appreciate that. And uh, also a quick shout-out to Dave, Mandatory Rothman and Katz donation. Hey, hey. Shout out. Yeah, and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Dave with 25 bucks. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very thank much. You much. Yes, good stuff. So uh, really, really cool, man. I, um, I'm excited. What was that? Did I miss something? All right. Now, uh, without any further delay, let's bring him on. The former federal prosecutor. Now he works on the defense side of the table. His predictions have been 100%. Pretty scary. I have to ask him about the latest developments and how they might affect some of his predictions. How about it for David Katz, everyone? Hi, Hello, sir. Great to be with you. Yeah. Really great to have you here. Now, the latest, I will start with Trump, and then I'm going to get to SCOTUS, and we'll scoot around a little bit. But um, I don't know if I would use that picture of David Katz, Tony. Is that the picture we have of David? That's him as Katz Adamus? <laughs> oh, that's better. I think that, yeah. Thank you. But when I get to the Katz Adamus, then we can use that picture again. I will not ask his prediction. Um, <laughs> David Katz. The Justice Department has made public uh, more about the photographic and video evidence that they collected last summer from Mar-a-Lago after the um, 
in relation to the document um, uh, trial and indictment. And uh, the investigative uh, record that supported the FBI search of the resort involves in newly unredacted documents video that shows many of these cla- these boxes handling classified documents being moved out of storage areas and then they don't know where they were moved but they were moved in advance of the FBI search can you speak to this and how developments in this Trump case there's another development as you're aware and then I'll then I'll let you speak but I just want to sort of set the table the other development is that Trump's former press secretary reported this yesterday talked about the fact that Trump did show classified documents to diners there on the patio at Mar-a-Lago. So you have her a testimony as well. Again, this is coming out in drips and drabs. Can you speak to how this affects the ongoing case? Well, they have an oh, special counsel has an overwhelming case against Trump. I mean, I'm a criminal defense attorney now, and this is a much greater system of evidence than you normally see uh, in the cases that I defend and even in the cases that I prosecuted because Trump was very careless or he was reckless or he was kind of taunting them like, you know, I can do whatever I want. You can't go after me, you know, kind of just like a macho power game instead of how most people do, you know, the FBI has someone to really reckon with somebody. If the Department of Justice do a letter saying, why don't you do X, Y and Z, try to do X, Y and Z and not get caught doing the opposite or obstructing um, what they're uh, telling you to do. So that's why, you know, you said and drabs, but it was overwhelming before. Now it's more overwhelming. Um, and uh, it, it appears that there was this surveillance, uh, Mark, uh, surveillance taping of the premises. And maybe it went to the cloud. Maybe it went to some security agency. And there were hours and hours of these tapes. Apparently, the got them, not from Trump voluntarily turning them over or his attorney turning them over. The of Justice got them. And they were inconsistent with the stories that Trump and this Nauda fellow were saying uh, that all of the documents were all in one place. They'd never been moved. They hadn't been separated. Uh, the Lord was told and he gave this testimony under oath that he was told this was it. They were all in one place about were documents in one place. And then separately, they get these uh, videotapes, these surveillance tapes, which show Nauda moving stuff. And that's why I think they have an overwhelming case, not just against Trump, but against him. And then they had an oath um, because he cooperated with them. He didn't just take the fifth about these boxes. No. Did you move these boxes? And then he said, you're not telling us about them. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's done by the surveillance tape, as, of course, so is Trump. So that's interesting. I know David is uh, he's fading in and out a little bit, and people are commenting on that he's sounding a little muted, but he's on a phone line today, obviously. But what I want to do is follow up on what you, I, I can understand him. So on some level, <laughs> I think you can understand him too. Um, Nada, you're saying he didn't take the fifth. He he spoke and answered questions and denied moving the boxes. Now there's surveillance video, you're saying, of Nada moving those boxes. And so that essentially incriminates him. So he's in trouble too, is your point, just to be clear? Yes, it seems like he was sort of hoisted on his own petard. And this often happens prosecution and why defense attorneys it really doesn't make sense to talk to the prosecution or to the um, FBI, the 
IRS special investigators, whoever may be investigating you, uh, because they have a lot of things that they hold back. There's a lot of things that they know. You know, this sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, General Flynn. Remember when he was the National Security Advisor? They know he's been on the phone. Soviet, or the Soviet, the Russian ambassador, they asked him, have you spoke with him on the phone? No. And that's why him for perjury, because they had the tape when they asked him those questions. And people say, well, that's sort of unfair. That's kind of sandbagging him. And then, of course, the other side says, wait a second. You're supposed to tell supposed to commit perjury when you're, in, um, you know, you're not supposed to commit perjury. But I mean, especially in his case, uh, where he's such a high official. And this Nauta fellow, even though he was working as a valet, you know, he did, um, he worked in White House. Uh, he, then he and Trump had a long to Mar-a-Lago. Um, but, you know, it's just, it, it's just reckless in that situation. I think he probably defied some lawyer's advice, Mark, agreed to answer those questions because it's just, especially the way Trump talks about how they're trying to get him and everything else, it would have certainly been understandable the valet to Trump that he took to Mar-a-Lago would have uh, refused to answer questions based on his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. I hope I can count uh, again on work, and uh, I'm sorry I can't do the show with the, uh, you know, with the, the Zoom and the Skype and all that, but hopefully people can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you fade a little bit. Uh, it just sounds a little bit faded, but it's, I think it's workable. If it were not, I would I would uh, ask you to reconnect. Uh, I, I do want to just, and then I want to address something in the chat. Um, I do want to ask you about the timeline again. You were firm on the fact that you didn't feel, I mean, notwithstanding everything you've just said, this in mountain of evidence and, and you know, the damning case against both Trump and Nauta, et cetera, you feel as though this case will not come to trial. Uh, well, you, you're, let me just uh, remind me, and I'm going to ask you, you don't think the case is going to trial at all. You think there's going to be a, a settlement or a deal made, but you don't think that deal and settlement's going to be made before the election. Is that correct, that's Katsadamas? Right. That's right. Okay. Uh, that, 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 that's right. And uh, I'll say it again. Um, I think that it was kind of an unforced error by the special counsel to bring this case in the uh, District of Florida, especially knowing that he was going to have a one in three chance of it going to Judge Cannon. Uh, who was notorious from the way she was overruled by appointed judges on the 11th Circuit after Trump ran down the road to her and tried to get her basically appoint a special master and do all things with an FBI search, which really had never been done before. And the 11th Circuit said unanimously they shouldn't be done in this case. There's no precedent. So given that he took a one in three chance that the case would go to her, you know, I was on um, one of the real conservative stations, and they said, oh, it's such a setup. They just want to get Trump. And I said, if the special counsel just wants to get Trump, he sure did something awfully fair that you can't criticize. He, that he'd get Trump's favorite judge, and he's in front of Trump's favorite uh, You know, that's a pretty red place, uh, you know, looting place. That's uh, Fort Pierce, Florida, which is where he is. There is no way in the world is going to force this case to trial for two reasons. Number one. A criminal defendant in Trump's situation with a number of issues in this case has valid arguments to get a continuance. On top of that, politically, it would be disastrous for Trump if the case went to trial because as overwhelming. I think his lawyers are telling him 
you're going to be convicted. You're going to be found guilty by the jury. The best that you could do is maybe find one or two Trump voting jurors who try to do some jury nullification. So you end up with a 10 to 2 or a level 1 guilty. That doesn't really, especially when the guy comes out and is interviewed by the press and he says, I was on that jury. I never convicted Trump of anything. I love him so much. It's people that Trump, you know, is just set up. He's not guilty. So Trump does not want this trial marked. This trial will not go. And as I said, there are some really legitimate issues over national security. Uh, they're going to litigate the finding of uh, uh, that the attorney-client privilege does not apply because the crime fraud exception. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say you didn't show a sufficient prima facie case to the judge to even get into. Uh, attorney Corcoran's papers or get attorney Corcoran to be compelled to testify. All wrongly decided, all the fruit of that erroneous decision ought to come out. There's a lot of fruit in this case of that decision. It's erroneous. There's a lot of evidence considered. They're going to litigate all of that because it was done in camera ex parte in front of a judge in Washington, D.C. It was not with a full and fair opportunity for lawyers for Trump to participate. Now in front of Judge Canyon, they're going to participate. So that's going to be a big, big deal. And if it is decided in favor of Trump, then the government has to appeal. I think it's important enough that the government would take an appeal right then and there. But that's further delay the national security issues, um, all these documents, how they can be disclosed in court, what the procedures are. That's going to cause delay. So it's not going to go to trial before the election, and then in the election, if Republicans, favored by Trump, wins, that person will absolutely pardon Nauta. And if they lose, if a Democrat wins, if Biden, let's say, is reelected, then um, Trump's political career is finished. At this point, I think he'll try to make a deal in all these criminal cases and try to get his that he and his major cronies, like maybe him, somebody else that he really cares about in this case don't go to jail uh i want to speak to i don't know i know david's fading in and out we, we'll, we'll cut our, our time probably a little bit with him but i, I do want to just to double back because you said something that i think really is so important and that is that you felt that the special counsel uh made a misstep an unforced error you called it when he brought this trial in florida and then you talked about the fact that you've been on this conservative station and they were uh, talking about how the special counsel is just, you know, in in the tank for the libs and for Biden and after Trump. And then you made the point that you you made, which is, well, if he wanted, if he was really in the tank, he wouldn't, uh, and it was, you know, out to get, to get Trump. And that was his raison d'etre. He wouldn't have brought it in Florida. This is the point that I always come around to, David, just as an aside. I just feel like this is a good time to make this point. The Democrats always worry about this crap that has to do with uh, making it making it fair. We want it always to be fair. And I think there is something to be said for fairness. I mean, a lot to be said for fairness. It should all be done fairly. 
But no matter how fair you make it, and if you try to cheat it toward them, which is, I think, what you're talking about, this unforced error, bringing the case in Florida, they are still going to light the torches and come after you with the mob. That is what they do. They are going to blame you for being after Trump, regardless of where you bring the case. So it astounds me that they can go to the trouble of bringing this case in Florida that could have just as easily been brought in Washington. And they're trying to do it so that there is no appearance of it being politically motivated. But they're going to accuse you of political motivation no matter what. It just it amazes me. Uh, now I want to ask you about Shadow Producer Calvin Wong's question. Shadow Producer Calvin Wong asks, Mr. Katz, when will the IRS audit Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch? Blatant corruption and payoffs. When will that audit happen? I ask you, David Katz, on behalf of Calvin Wong. Well, you know, I and hopefully people can hear me now. Is it a no, it's phone. fading in and out. I don't know. What, what, what is that? Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, we'll look into it. Uh, but go ahead. You can, we can hear you well enough. Can't we, Kim? Do you, don't you think we can hear? We can hear David well enough. Yeah? Yeah. I think what he has to say is worth uh, putting up with a little fade. Okay, cool. That's yeah, great. Thanks. Thank you. Go ahead, David. So when is that IRS audit of Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch coming, sir? So I defend people in federal criminal tax cases. I defend people who are in the kind of trouble that a lot of the public thinks that Thomas and Alito are taking those uh, fancy vacations. Um, and uh, basically, if somebody gives you a gift like that, I know Calvin may be shocked. Other people may be shocked. That appears like it's not fixable to you. Um, it may be tax uh, that's due by the person who gave you. Okay? So that super rich uh, billionaire who gave Thomas that extravagant trip or that singer guy against Argentina and then the U.S. Supreme Court heard all of this litigation, which, you know, either keeps him a billionaire or makes a billion dollars. Alito sat on that case. Now, in fairness, the case was seven to one. And then the case would have been six to one. So people can argue that either way. But the reality, Mark, is that that is not taxable. If you take a big jump like that, apparently that is income. Now, it should have been disclosed. And people rightly argue, how come there's no enforcement mechanism for something that clearly should have been disclosed? Alito should have put that on his financial disclosure form for that and the years in which those trips were taken by Thomas, he should have put down on his financial disclosure form, and he didn't. Um, but there is no enforcement mechanism because no one is supreme judicially over the Supreme Court. Why, if you think about it for a while, it is, raises an issue if somebody is over the Supreme Court. We don't like the Supreme Court. I don't agree with the Supreme Court. I think that they've decided a lot of cases to decide them ideologically and that under precedent they should not have made the decisions they did but you can see theoretically that to make any any supreme court so the supreme court has this judicial ethics thing that should enacted a judicial ethics thing it's debiting there should be ways that the supreme court i mean the supreme court could rule uh, eight to nothing or eight to who is getting disciplined could book that he shouldn't get disciplined somebody, including somebody on the Supreme Court, but I think there's this sense of collegiality, this sense of to ourselves, you know, power, big power, 
that people like to have unchecked power and balances because we suspect everyone who has unchecked power. We suspect the police. We suspect, we suspect federal prosecutors like I used to be. There is no one to check this power ethically of the uh, U.S. Supreme Court unless they commit a very clear criminal violation. And then I think the uh, Justice Department uh, and the IRS could go after somebody. I mean, if it was absolutely clear that somebody got $200,000 in cash. But these trips are apparently a horse of a different color. They are apparently not taxable under the code to someone like Thomas or Alito. That's my understanding from tax lawyers that I've spoken to. So there you go, Calvin. I mean, an audit doesn't get you anything on these. You can you can talk about ethical lapses and you can talk about ethical violations, but as David says, they police themselves and there is no uh, taxable aspect to the donation, <laughs> which is what it was, of that vacation to uh, to Thomas Alito, et cetera. Uh, David, I'm going to wrap it up. Next week, we'll get you on a um, on a cleaner line, but I really uh, love that um, uh, that you spent a little time with us today, and thank you. Well, it was, I'm sorry about the connection. There was just nothing more I could do on the road. We'll I understand. See you next week by, uh, on the Zoom, and uh, I'll uh, be coming through much you got it. David Katz, everybody. Yeah, how about that? The Mark Thompson Show. It was great. I loved it. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. Morning. You cannot say you love your country. Where are my weed smokers at? Stay at home and get baked. You know, I'll tell you that uh, one of the problems that you face a lot of the time this is to you younger boys and girls. Let me tell you, uh, all of you up-and-coming younger boys and girls, one of the problems you face repeatedly, and you face this at KGO, when we're on the radio, you face it in television, etc. There'll be a bunch of stuff happening of a technical nature. In this case, you know, cats is fading in and out. but Or there's a click on the line. We've had chirping with Jim Avila, for example. Everybody's got their certain thing, and you have to make a decision. Is the technical issue significant enough in getting in the way of the information sufficiently that you should, you know, reschedule? Or can you power through it? And, of course, your first instinct is to try to power through it, right? Let's let's see. Yeah, And then it gets, you know. So Katz was right on the edge and kept riding that edge the whole time. I blame my phone. It it just has really bad reception today. So that that's on me. It just Thanks, like it was holding yeah. it one bar. I'm like, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I see. Can do. Yeah. But we so did figure t- out the avalanche. We know what happened. Why, why that was happening. Yeah, so, you did solve that yeah, problem. We figured that which one out. Was good. Yeah. Well, Tony, what angered yeah. you? Yeah. So, my my, uh, my favorite uh, hiccup is the Jim Avila one, where he sounds like he's uh, an electronic burp. You know, yeah, burp, it's burp, more. It's, it sounds like a frog or something. Yeah, yeah but that turned. Yeah, Tony did solve that issue. Thanks, Tony. That one we so, um, yeah, anyway, uh, but that is constantly the, you know, we face it. It's a silly thing, but we face it in regular life too. When you've got somebody on the line that you've been trying to get on the line for a while to, to yeah. speak with them, but the, but it's a, you know, it's a distortion and 
there's a problem with the line and you go, God, I've been trying to reach this person for so long. I don't want to, but I can't understand them. And, but I was doing a Jack in the box commercial and this is related to this. And I'm doing the voiceover for a Jack in the box commercial. And it was one, the reason I remember this is one was one of the biggest nightmare moments I've ever had doing a voiceover for a commercial. And here's what happened. They schedule the voiceover Friday at five o'clock, which is just makes no sense. Right. Because everybody, you know, wants to go home. But that's the time they had to get it in. The copy had to be cleared, whatever. I show up. There's a technical problem. The studio is down and there's no other studio that they can use. And all the Jack in the Box executives are there. The advertising agency executives. And I'm waiting in the little area, like it's like a commissary kind of area where there's food and coffee and that kind of thing for an hour. So now it's six o'clock on Friday night. And I walk in and I hear, this is the first thing I hear when I walk in. I'm supposed to be at my kid's effing birthday right now. This is crazy. (laughs) So the room is toxic. Okay. It is. Everybody is angry. So I go into the booth. So you're not in the room. You're in the room and you see everybody. You get the copy and then you go into the booth, which is down the hall into this booth. And you can see them through the window, the glass, but you can't actually interact with them anyway except with this clicker device that you have the size of a TV remote. And it's the talkback. When they want to talk to you, they speak to you. It's in the headphones. When you want to talk back, you hit this clicker device and you go, yeah, okay, I can do that. I can speed that up or whatever. <clears throat> so the spot, there isn't enough time. There's all, they want a 14 second gap. They want me to speed, you know, speed through the read. And it's really going to be, I, well, maybe you could eliminate this word. Maybe you could eliminate that word. Could you try this? This is all during the time that people are dying to get home. They want to get out of there. So there's just, it's going from bad to worse. You're and trying to then, be one hit wonder over there. Yeah. And then this guy stands up from the corner of the room. I haven't even seen him prior to this moment. He gets up and he's got a shaved head and he's a big man. He looked just like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. That's all I could think of. The lighting on him was severe. I mean, just the way the moment was happening was cinematic and he gets up and he has one of those clickers also and he says mark i'm so and so i'm and it's the voice of jack in jack in the box he is the he runs the agency okay he's a very talented guy right runs this agency all this stuff but i've never you know and i just said yes hi hi and he goes i think it's and then i hear i think it's and I go, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hear you. You're cutting in and out. Uh, can can you repeat it? And he and he and he's holding this thing up and he's clicking and he goes, Yeah, Mark. What I'm saying is, I think we need. I'm like, Oh my god! And now I'm sweating like a guy having a stroke. This whole session is going down in flames, and I can't understand what he's saying because he's fading in and out. <laughs> click, 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 click. 
And I go, maybe I should come in there. I can't really, I can't really understand what you're, what you're saying. I'm so sorry. The thing is cutting in and out. I'm apologizing for something I've got nothing to do with. And he goes, no, 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 no. All I'm saying is, it was, it was the worst. It was the worst. And so when calls come in, they fade in and out like that. It, you have that moment where you go, okay, you know. David wasn't bad, though, in that case. It got a little worse, and then we find out that it's really Tony's fault. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, yep. so, all me. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you're, that's the beauty you're of it. You're welcome. That's the beauty of it all. The Mark Thompson Show. We'll do a turbo-sized, a gigantic news hit here. Uh-oh. With Kim's okay. News. And when we come back, we've got That's Rich, which includes Jeff Bezos, Angela Lansbury, and the CEO of Peloton. They are all in That's Rich Today. Smash the like button like a boss. Smash it with your iron rod. Smash it with your iron rod. What up with that? With the iron rod. Smash it with your iron rod. Mm -hmm. Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. The loudest Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. That's really kind of wild. I don't know. All right. That's better. Hey, let's talk about cocaine at the White House, why don't we? Yeah, the uh, the dime bag of cocaine found at the White House will now be tested for DNA and fingerprints. I don't know if it's a dime bag. I it thought it was a, it, it was is. a bag the size of a no. dime. It's how they're being that's being described: a dime bag of coke. <laughs> oh my god! Who is having that conversation? <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. So you know they're not letting this one go. They're testing it for DNA and fingerprints. They're coming. Oh the my person. god! This is incredible. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Uh, this the is... White House press secretary Karine Jean Pierre telling reporters this dime bag was found in a heavily traveled area <laughs> where many West Wing visitors walk through. It was in the cubbies where you're supposed to leave your cell phone. Yeah. There's a reason that this place is fun. Well, those tours are getting more fun, apparently. Here, you were talking about this fellow earlier. This is the aide charged along with former President Trump in his classified documents case. And he is, as you mentioned earlier, Mark, pleading not guilty. Walt Nauda appeared in a Florida federal court this morning for his arraignment hearing. Trump's co-defendant faces six charges, including making false statements and conspiracy to obstruct justice. No, no, no. Sayonara, sucker. Yeah, maybe. White House says one of the most powerful endorsements of President Biden's economic agenda is actually coming from some congressional Republicans. What? Yeah. Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates noted there are several Republicans who voted against President Biden's signature economic laws like the Inflation Reduction Act. Bates said they later welcomed the jobs and the investments that the programs brought to their home states. So they voted no on it. And then when it happened and the money is coming in and the jobs are being created, they're all woohoo. Yeah, they're taking credit for it. Yeah, exactly. The job openings are down after a previous uptick. 
The feds reported today the number of available jobs dropped to under 10 million at the end of May compared to 10.3 million in April. According to financial data company Refinitiv, job openings dropped more than 100,000 below economists' projections. So maybe we're, uh, we're dipping a bit in the jobs category. A horrible situation. I mean, this is where people dispose of their drugs in the trees of Santa Cruz. Just poop, poop, poop. A <sighs> um, woman in Santa Cruz has died from overdosing on a newly emerging street drug known as the zombie drug. The County of Santa Cruz Medical Examiner Coroner confirming the death yesterday was from xylazine, also called Trank. Just the first in Santa Cruz County, the first person to die of it that they know of. The 35-year-old woman died in early June. A post-mortem toxicology exam revealed xylazine and fentanyl in her blood. Xylazine developed for tranquilizing large animals like cattle. Police say it's been increasingly detected, leading to overdoses and serious wounds causing infection that lead to amputations. Yeah, it'll burn the skin right off of you. Santa Cruz health officials are alerting doctors to its increasing prevalence in the county's illicit drug supply. Prevalence is a dang word. I'll take it. Pardon me. Let's move on to Tahoe. We talked about the robot helping clean up the litter at Lake Tahoe. Well, 2023 is being called possibly the worst year for litter at Lake Tahoe. Look at that. Video shows garbage piled up on some beaches and under the water even following 4th of July celebrations. Environmental groups spent more than seven hours yesterday cleaning it all up, saying they collected, and they have to do this every year on the 5th of July, it's Lake Tahoe Beach Cleaning Day. That's how bad it gets. Uh, They've collected 8,500 pounds of garbage from the beaches and in the water yesterday. They describe finding things like beer cans, bottles, shoes, hats, coolers left behind, hair extensions, even drugs on the shores of Lake Tahoe. You know something? I am glad you're doing this story, and I just want to underscore something that I say and my general position. And I know people like Jim Avila come on, they're fun, that I don't think much of people, and I think that, you know, as a species, uh, I think the worst of of people and the species but this is why we are asked and regularly visit to uh this question the planet is challenged with global warming and with uh, the toxification essentially of the planet leave aside global warming and all the climate change leave it aside you don't care about it but we are in a toxic brew and all we have to do is try to live more sustainably and detoxify the environment we're in. But we don't do it. Why? Because we're essentially this that you're seeing on screen. We're a decadent, self-indulgent culture that doesn't want to clean up after ourselves. That's who we are as a collective group. Probably most of the people who are watching the show aren't that way and listening to this show. And I think we try not to be that way, but look at that. That is an absolute disregard for the environment around you. You know, they're, they're, look at the trash. They just left coolers behind, solo cups, hefty bags, uh, water bottles. It's, it's utter horribleness. It's, and it's the horribleness on display. So I'm sorry. I, yeah, what happened uh, to take only pictures, leave only footprints? Look what they yeah. left. And that's just a small sliver of the beach, what you're seeing here. You can even see, if you look far in the background, all the trash piled up as far as the eye can see. 
It's it's just horrible. So anyway, I, if I can just self whip us, I would you know I yeah that's what I do. We are we are we are though. I think uh, uh, we're just self indulgent. And we we just don't want to compromise in any way, which is why I'm not too optimistic about things. But so Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Oopsies. Uh, <laughs> some new dings in the Ruby Princess. That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The cruise ship hit Pier 27 in San Francisco while docking this morning. Ouch. The Coast Guard says there's damage to the, both the ship's hull and to the dock. The Princess Cruise confirmed the collision in a statement saying there were no injuries. Guests and crew were not in danger. But I'll tell you, people aboard the Ruby Princess felt it. They were saying, we heard somebody go on the dock. Whoa, whoa, smack. Yeah, Uh, it looks like everybody's okay. But the Princess Cruise described the collision as, quote, unexpected contact. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Six this morning. Unexpected contact, indeed. It's a wacko. Yeah, uh, at least they were at port. You know, it's it is less of a Titanic situation. And they say that people were fine. Nobody's in danger. But the ship is was just docking after coming back from an Alaskan cruise. And they're supposed to take off at four this afternoon on another Alaskan cruise. But it's not clear if they're going to be able to do that because of the damage to the ship. So we'll see how they're they're inspecting it as we speak. Wow. The uh, There is a San Jose man busted for allegedly committing crimes involving fireworks. Police say 49-year-old Mark Espinoza is accused of distributing massive quantities of fireworks in the weeks leading up to the 4th of July. Police say they seized over 1,000 pounds of illegal fireworks connected to Espinoza, who remains behind bars without bail. Uh, another story out of San Francisco, Meta and Red Hat have both canceled their events scheduled to happen in San Francisco in 2024. Both of those events were scheduled for the Moscone Center and expected to bring big tourist dollars, both now canceled. And a 98-year-old woman can put another peach tree road race under her belt. Love it. Betty Lindbergh, 98 years old. Look at her. She completed her 34th running of the event and she did it in two hours and 15 minutes, five minutes under her goal. Wow. Broke the world record for her age group in last year's Atlanta Publix 5K. Lindbergh's daughter says she will be running at 100. That will be her 35th peach tree road race but there she is wow. 98 years old getting her butt out running running and she goes five uh minutes under her goal for this 5k race that is just terrific Go congratulations it, yeah you rock Love i'm kim it. McAllister, and this is the mark thompson show they had to close down an entire radio station to silence him and now He's here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Thompson. I come from regular stock. I just want to find 11,780... Did you really just do that? ABC knows that I feel like this. I've told them. It had nothing to do with them. 
May the Spirit guide you in wisdom and grace. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. Great, I loved it. 60% of the time, it works every time. Can you let him finish, sir? Yes, we are back. It is uh, great to have you here on this Thursday. As promised... One of the things we like to do on this program, first of all, I want to recognize Walter, who is the uh, gentleman who uh, listens to the show in Hawaii. Yeah. That's right. Aloha, my friend. Big shout out. Big shout out. Big aloha shout out. And thanks for a quick 10 spot. Aloha. Love the show. You guys are the best. Walter, you're so lovely. You're a big supporter of the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And a super sticker from Deborah for 10 spot. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Very, very cool. You guys are really uh, supportive. We're crowdfunded, so we like to uh, give them the shout-outs when they uh, support us. We keep an eye on those who don't worry about crowdfunding. Yep. This is the upper, upper crust. We like to follow the money, where it's going, what it's doing, what it's supporting, how it's acting. We do it in a segment we call That's Rich. Who are they? The top one-tenth of one percent. What are they like? These people are so posh and snobby, they're snobby. That's Rich on the Mark Thompson Show. The Bezos is enjoying their time away. Lauren Sanchez is the fiancé of Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos. She is a friend of the host of the Mark Thompson Show. Uh, I like Lauren Sanchez, and I know that people uh, like to take shots at her. I don't like when people take shots at her. I think she is, I've told you before, she's smart, she's capable, she's, I get it, she's got that, you know, sexy thing forward, but nothing wrong with that. Jeff is uh, rocking the big guns, he's got the workout look going. They're both into their physical person. Mm-hmm. The eyewitnesses, though, who have seen the fiancé of Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos, that Lauren Sanchez, to whom I was just referring, land a helicopter aboard Bezos' $100 million uh, support vessel. That's how they travel. That's pretty nice. They made She made three or four attempts, apparently. It's not easy to land a helicopter on a yacht. Tony is showing you the pictures now. They have a uh, casual get-together after Lauren lands on Koru. Do you know what Koru is, Kim? No, I don't. Koru is the $500 million super yacht. Oh. Which features a wooden figurehead that bears a striking resemblance to Lauren Sanchez. (laughs) It's been the talk of the various towns at which it's been docked. The 246 support vessel carries crew. You don't want the crew on the main vessel. You want them on the support vessel. Uh, what if you need that, help? What if you need someone to bring you something? You want to bring your little bell? They have you to have take the you have the, the over to the main ship. 
Yeah, you have. That's the whole reason you have that. The support vessel. You need something. They bring it from the support vessel to the main vessel. There's the, uh, as I was described, the figurehead on the front, the wooden figurehead on the front. Uh, Looks like yeah. Lauren. Uh, anyway, the support vessel is 246 feet. Like that's a huge ship that follows the other huge ship. It uh, supports, uh, as I was mentioning, crew and uh, has ATVs, supercars, seaplanes, motorcycles, smaller boats, scuba gear, personal submarines, and even helicopters. Uh, That's all on the support vessel. So she was landing that helicopter on that support vessel, Kim. That's what she was doing. Okay. Bezos is 59, Sanchez 53. They hit the star-studded party circuit in the south of France immediately after getting engaged to celebrate the engagement. Her diamond ring is said to be worth, mm, this is a good question, said to be worth how much is the ring that Lauren Sanchez is wearing? It was given to her as an engagement by Jeff Bezos. How much is it worth? I am taking answers in the chat. 3.5 million, says Randy. Makai says 10 million. A lot. Man, that's a a huge ring. John Anderson says 12 million. Tom says 5 million. Uh, Delwood... (laughs) Says fourteen four. <laughs> okay, fourteen million dollars for a ring? Are you guys crazy? What's wrong with you people? You've lost all sense of what money is. The wedding ring will be worth twenty million, says John. A hundred billion, says Doctor Evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Snidely Whiplash. Uh, Gail says 15 million more than I'll make in my lifetime says John well that is probably true uh, the answer 475,000 says Chad 3 million says knit one pearl one 6 million says Christina these are all good guesses the actual retail price for the ring that is being worn by Lauren Sanchez, purchased by Jeff Bezos, two and a half million dollars. Oh. Yes. That was less I mean, than I thought. I was going to say 5.5, but okay. There's a, there's a lot of, you can get a lot of ring for two and a half million dollars, people. I mean, I mean, these guesses are, you know, are really getting out of control. Why yelling? Yeah. How do so. you even lift your hand? There she uh, shows it off. But you can see that's a massive ring, you know. It so, really uh, is. It's huge. It's, yes. um, I don't know. That's very ostentatious. But I guess if you have that much money, why not? Thank I, you. Ostentatious is a dang word. I would think, though, that I would feel guilty every day that I had that thing on my finger. Like, mm. I would think to myself, there are people that are hungry. And I have two yeah. and a half mil sitting on my hand. Would you? Yeah. yeah. I um uh... Uh, I think you get over it somehow, but maybe not. Maybe you would be haunted by it. Angela Lansbury has sold her place. She has passed away, as you know, but the family left with her place in Brentwood, 
Now, you know Brentwood if you're in the Bay Area as the Bay Area Brentwood. But in Southern California, there's another Brentwood. You know, that's where O.J. Simpson lived. Yeah. That was the last time it was in the news in a big, big way. It's also where a lot of people live in Brentwood or kind of LeBron it's James. Kind and, of you know. UCLA, right? Yeah. Uh, ish. Okay. Okay. Um, closer to the Getty Museum, if you know where that is. Anyway, Brentwood is uh, the place that Angela Lansbury lived. And just 11 days after it was uh, reported to hit the market, the home sold. Uh, she lived there for more than four decades. She was 96 years old. Here it is. Uh, the home purchased by Lansbury and her husband, Peter Shaw. She married him in 1949. Stayed married until his death in 2003 at 84. They purchased the home back in 1985. Look at how beautiful it is. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's 3,700 square feet, four bedrooms, four bathrooms, about a half acre lot in this very bougie place called Brentwood. How much did Angela Lansbury sell that place for? I understand that when I say Angela Lansbury, I'm talking about the estate, her kids, her family. They have a swimming pool there. They have a skylit formal dining room featuring a portrait of Angela Lansbury. A terracotta tile. I think they'll throw it in. I do. I think you can get it. Yes. Neither she nor my father came from money, said the daughter. They appreciated everything they had. A lot of big stars these days, they forget, but they never did, she said in the Wall Street Journal interview. 16 million, says shadow producer Calvin Wong. 7 million, says Christina. Gail Guthrie says 12 million. Tom says 14.5. 4.5 million, says Mackay. I'm going to stop the bidding now. Makai, winner. Four and a half million. That's exactly right. Yes, Angela Lansbury's estate sold for four and a half million. Um, Well, I'm sorry. They listed it for four and a half. I guess they got 4.9. Okay. But I'm still giving Makai credit. Uh, 4.9. It was listed at four and a half. And uh, 4.9 is what they got. You know, there's a back and forth and a negotiation. That's pretty. She was 19 years old when she got her first movie role, Angela Lansbury. Kind of wild. A tourist has won $1.3 million in a jackpot played on the Wheel of Fortune slot machine at the Las Vegas airport. That's what we call getaway day. Yeah. The players secured the prize money on the Wheel of Fortune triple-double Emeralds game, which is in Terminal 1 at the Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas. Uh, The airport posted this. Usually the airport machines are adjusted so they're not paying out very much, you know. But you do hear about this, and this is a huge one. Slot machines in the terminals have created more than $1 billion in revenue over the last 36 years. So that's revenue that the slots are taking in. So what do you do if you win like that and then you're, they call your boarding? Like, you got to go. But, you, I mean, how do you, 
I just, I guess you just missed the flight. I just won a hundred, one point three mil. I'm gonna stick yeah, for right one point three me. mil. I missed yeah. the flight. Uh, yeah. It's funny. My friend won four thousand on a jackpot, and they do come over and they make you do all this paperwork. And he did miss the flight. Okay, uh, but uh, it was worth missing the flight for four thousand. Also, so yeah. the answer is you just missed the flight. Yeah, but um, the slot machines are an overwhelming uh, revenue producer for the Las Vegas airport. I've the, played the slots at yeah. the Vegas airport before, but I put my money back in as I walked <laughs> away. I, they didn't give me anything to go home with. It's very hard to win. Yeah. You know, but the, as we finish that's rich, I will give you this last item. This CEO of this beleaguered company is named one of America's wealthiest executives. His base salary increased this year, even though the company is, as I say, beleaguered. He's 68 years old. He took over this troubled company in 2022. It suffered a catastrophic blow to sales. He makes $168 million. Whoa. And he's named one of America's wealthiest executives. He is the CEO of, if you guessed, Peloton. Oh. Yeah, the Peloton CEO. is He's doing well. The company, not so much. His base salary was a million, but it shot up to $1.25 million despite Peloton losing 22% in revenue and axing over 1,000 jobs. He was coaxed out of retirement with this competitive $168 million a year compensation package to take on Peloton and try to rescue it. He is the former boss of Spotify. So head of Spotify comes over to head Peloton. They give him this fat package at $168 million a year. And the company needs help. Meanwhile, the eye-watering salary vaults him to make him one of the highest-paid CEOs and richest CEOs in all of America. Wow. Yeah. He used to get $7 million a year as the chief financial officer at Spotify. He was there for four years. And then he was at Netflix before that. Um, he took the company public. That was back when they were still shipping DVDs, back in 2010. Yeah. You know, Netflix. But since taking on Peloton, he has yet to turn its fortunes around. SEC filings show that Peloton posted $749 million in revenue in the three months ending in March, on March 31st. It's down from the same period last year. It's down by $200 million. Wow. It was like a hot minute where everybody wanted a Peloton. It was like the thing to have. And yeah, then, then there was some accident that happened where a child was hurt or I don't know if that was the catalyst or what, but all of a sudden, like Pelotons were going up for sale on Craigslist. Nobody wanted them. Now, you you know, you know it's hard to get rid of them. So I don't know. I think you're right. I think it, there was a recall, as I, res- as yeah. I recall, as I recall the recall, the... Uh, problems with Peloton are, as Kim said, uh, maybe so 
stubborn that this dude isn't going to be able to turn it around, but he's being asked to. Anyway, and uh, to bring him out of retirement, they needed to put together the package. $168 million makes him a CEO who's part of That's Rich. (laughs) More on how the other half lives. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. Next time on The Mark Thompson Show. Yeah, I don't know, Kim. I've had a very good day today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a good day. Yeah. I'll remind our listeners and viewers that this show will begin next month at a later hour, just one hour later. Programming note? Yeah, but uh, otherwise it will be the same show that you have grown to embrace. Tony, I want to thank you for outstanding service today. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. I know you had to vector in cats. You got a couple other things along the way. Tony is the unseen hand of so much here. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's all done stealthily. There. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. You brought us the video of the sphere today. Too. Oh yeah, the video of the sphere yeah. was terrific. Wow, yeah. I love that. I think it was yeah. pretty cool. That is very cool. Uh, and Kim, you, I think, have um, handled yourself admirably today. Tomorrow, Friday Fabulous Florida, Jim Oblett and Michael Shore on politics and the entire week, and Michael Snyder, the culture blaster with a look at movies. It's going to be a big day tomorrow. Don't miss I'm it. I'm Shadow Stevens for the Mark Johnson Show. Bye-bye. And until tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your support, everyone. And bye-bye.